Say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking feeds the Grace Davis and goes the He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Yo, what up, everyone, and welcome in on this uh, Monday. What do we got today? Uh, things are going well for the basketball team. We will uh, touch on that. Yeah, things are going great. We got some numbers later on in the show that will show just how historically great things are going. Historically great, I do tell you. Historic, anyway. Uh, we'll get to uh, some of the specifics uh, in the second hour of the rarity of what we have just seen with Syracuse basketball over the last week. And when you have uh, three straight losses and rarity is attached, that is probably not the best of news. We'll get to that uh, a little bit later in the show. Uh, we'll be joined by Red Autry, as planned and scheduled at 2.30. Looking forward to chatting to Red. It's his birthday week. So, uh, muscle tough to Red. We'll talk to him coming up at uh, 2.30 today. Or is it his birthday week? He's a leap baby. So uh, maybe maybe it's not. I don't know. Red doesn't get a birthday this year. Sorry, Red. Either way, he'll he'll join us coming up at uh, 2.30 today. Uh, one of his guys, Red coaches the forwards, as we know, Benny Williams, uh, coming off the Benny Williams game. I don't know if you ever want your name to be attached to a game for your best career game that uh, comes at a blowout loss, but uh, that uh, was the case certainly on uh, Saturday. So we'll spend a lot of time uh, chatting about uh, hoops here uh, today, uh, next hour, a special guest from IBCM Controls, former Orange Lacrosse player, their CEO Joe Bonacci, uh, will join us with his first ever winner of the $10,000 ICM Controls Impact Scholarship. Mm. First ever winner joined us uh, in the studio earlier today. We'll play that back for you um, coming up at, at three. Could, couldn't join us at three. Here's how you get the ICM Controls Impact Scholarship you have to go to school, you need to attend it. So we'll. Do that uh, coming up in uh, the next hour as well. But uh, lots of hoops talk around it. Got two tickets for tomorrow night's game. We'll give that out uh, in due time uh, today as well. So lots to get to on a Monday on the show. I feel like we got to squeeze even more in this week. I don't know how many shows we have this week. We've got at least three today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. No show Thursday due to women's basketball. ACC tournament for the women starts on Wednesday. Uh, the Orange will play on Thursday as the nine seed taking on NC State. Uh, that game is at two. And because that game is at two and this show is at two, this show, well, you know, I think you understand how uh, two things happening at the same time in the same place work. Uh, so that will happen. If the women win on Thursday, then there will be no show on Friday. Why? Because they'll play again at two. That's how that would work against uh, likely, well, not likely. If they win, they will play the top seed in the tournament, Notre Dame, who will likely be without... Uh, their best player at Olivia Miles is my uh, presumption. I haven't seen any official word yet on uh, Miles' injury yet uh, for Notre Dame, but she had uh, one of them non-contact knee injuries yesterday. Did not look good uh, sending out the best uh, to her, but she'll certainly be all-league, as will uh, DeAsia Fair. She's certainly going to be all-league. That would be another compelling matchup if they somehow intertwined again on Friday. We will... Ask many questions about this on Wednesday. ESPN bracketologist for the women, Charlie Cream, will join the program on Wednesday. And 
lots of questions involving the ACC. Syracuse, as of this very second, is just plopped on the bubble. Like, wherever the bubble's at, Syracuse is hanging out. So we'll talk to Charlie before Thursday's game. We'd like to find out from him how vital Thursday's game is for the women. Like, is that a literal must-win game? Is that a, a lose it and then, you know, hang on for dear life and hope everything goes to plan in every other tournament game? And then with Miles, you know, if I'm Notre Dame, now it's very possible, like, hey, we, we've seen a torn ACL in women's basketball a time or two or three. Like, if I'm Notre Dame, I, I play this kind of exactly as as Syracuse did, best you can with the Orinze injury a few years ago. It might be a little harder to do since you got to drag it out a few weeks longer than the Orange had to do with A.O., Back in 2010? Yeah, well, tests. Checking it out. Uh, I I don't know that she tore her ACL, but I play a doctor on the radio, and it didn't look good. So I'll ask Charlie how the committee, if they don't have or if they do have full information on a player like Miles, how does that apply? Like, is Notre Dame right now, they're a prospective three seed, you know, two, three area in the tournament. Like, could could they get punished? Their best player is hurt. How will that go? So we'll talk a little uh, women's hoops bracketology uh, later on in the week. Looking forward to that. Again, Georgia Tech's coming up uh, tomorrow. Randy Waters, their color analyst, will join us on the show uh, tomorrow to break down the Jackets. We talked to him uh, a couple months back. It's not gotten a lot better uh, for the Jackets since the last time we chatted. This uh, this tomorrow feels like you know a must-win game is an odd term to use when the win wouldn't really actually get Syracuse anything. But for the sake of all of our sanities, tomorrow night is a must-win game. And by all of our sanities, sanities, I mean me, I mean you, I mean Jim Beheim, I mean our guests coming up at 2.30 today, Red Autry, I mean every single player on the team, I mean every single person uh, that's sitting in the seats tomorrow night in the Dome. For the sake of all of that, can Syracuse, for all things holy, win the game tomorrow? Because, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, if they don't. Like Georgia Tech's not good. The Orange have played them once this season in Atlanta, and they won the game by 17. Pulling away down the stretch over the last eight, nine minutes to dominate the game. Like if it goes the other like if it somehow goes the other way tomorrow night. Oh boy, hide in the bushes, people. Now I'll, again, is one loss going to uh decide or not decide Jim Beheim's career? Uh no. But, <laughs> oh, the conversations we shall have if the Orange do not win the game uh, tomorrow night. It is a weird must win. It's a win or a loss that decides absolutely nothing as far as Syracuse, essentially. But it comes with a big old butt with it. And that'll tie into some of the stats that I got uh, dialed up for you uh, later on in the program today. But uh, glad to have everybody with us on this Monday in the queue. So Utica, Rome, wherever you're at, glad to have you all in the chat and whatever you're up to on QSportsTalk.com, but let's go back to this game on Saturday. Talk about a tale of two halves, or talk about a tale of uh, a half, another half, and maybe the last uh, 10 seconds of one of the halves, which, you know, did it decide the game or not? No, but it, it sent the orange into the locker room with a weird taste in their mouth and then came out and just got blasted in the second half after the just peculiar foul given by Samir Torrance at the end of the first half. Not putting the game on Samir by any means, but... The Orange had played up until that point. You know, first half, it's a one-point game. It's a good game. It's back and forth. It's kind of a had a little old-school, low-scoring, kind of a rumbly vibe of an old-school Pitt-Syracuse game a little bit. Back and forth, good game. 
Benny Williams going off in the first half. So, okay. I see you, Benny, back in the starting lineup, making the most of it. And then the second half happened. And, oh, my goodness, did the second half happen. 11 threes. Pittsburgh. In one half. And the Orange got run off the court and run out of the Peterson Event Center. It was uh, it was an avalanche by Pittsburgh in the second half on Saturday, and one that it just did not bear resemblance to what we saw in the first half. I, I think is part of what was so I don't know shocking is the right word. Like talked last Friday, I didn't think Syracuse was going to win that game. Was just weird to see it happen in the way the way it did with one good half and then just the implosion after halftime. Again, to do it in a game where you got that from Benny, you have literally Benny Williams' best career game. We've been waiting for a game like that for a year and a half, if not longer. The Benny Williams game. And the Orange lose by 17. Good for Benny. I mean, this is nothing against Benny. Benny played great. He was great. And it wasn't just like one half he went off and then vanished. He kind of split his stats reasonably evenly first half to second half. But the Orange could not get a stop for the life of them. Couldn't get a Scott. Couldn't get a contest of the three, essentially, after halftime. I mean, these were wide open shots. Wide open shots. And I know people, you know, we, we can talk about the zone if you'd like, 315-437-7644. I know people love uh, to discuss that. I can't, I can't, um, I cannot say exactly how the postgame show started on Saturday. That might shut down the radio station forever. But, Literally, the first call we got on the show on a Saturday after the game, you know, it was a Q Sports Talk only exclusive, which means you can say a lot of words that we can't say right now. The FCC don't care about that. We know you do. We had a great crowd on here. I mean, it was tons of people in the chat. It was lots of good back and forth. But literally, the first caller lined up, and this kind of set the tone for the next hour and change, uh, lined up, called before the game ended. This is how important this statement was. And started the show by saying, get out of the blanking zone. And that's it. It didn't say blanking. He went to the top of the list of words the FCC don't like that we're not going to uh, say on the local radio here at 2.10 in the afternoon on a Monday. I suppose I could use the dump button on myself, but that would be odd. But it was QSportsTalk.com only, so, you know, we can let it fly a little bit. I, I don't know if it lightened the mood. It's... It, uh, it, it kind of let us know, though, what everybody is thinking. People are sick and tired of the zone, and people are sick and tired of Jim Beheim right now. Right, wrong, or otherwise, that is, it feels like, the defining mood of Syracuse right now. That is the defining mood of the town. Now, I, I think we all need, again, we're in it. This last week has been unprecedented and not in good ways with three straight losses by a combined 57 points. That, is, uh, that has not been seen around here in a long time. A very long time. I'll tell you how long later on. And a, a season like this that has had three separate three-game losing streaks? Unprecedented in the Jim Beheim era? I think after the year, everyone needs like one big deep breath, but then these discussions need to be had. The discussions that we've all been having all season long uh, during these shows, out and about, wherever you are, in your text messages with your friends, 
Um, you know, when you're watching the game, you get a little group chat going of some sort. If you're calling the post game show, like we've had these conversations over and over and over and over again. And I don't think that conversations like that at the higher level, when you're talking about Jim Beheim, John Wildhack, Kent Siverud, the board of trustees, you know, anyone that might actually be involved in thoughts and decisions like that, uh, unless the decision is literally Jim Beheim going to tell them, hey, I'm retiring after the season. I, I don't think those conversations need to legit happen in this scenario until after the last game is played this season and everyone can take, you know, at least take a couple days and take a breath. I'm not saying take a week, a month, but on that level, like all of us, hey, let it fly, people. Let it fly. You're fans of the team. That's the whole point. But like at that level, after 47 years, regardless of which way this is going next year, the year after, the next decade, whatever, that cannot be a knee-jerk reaction. It can't. And any decision made during the season at that level, at the top, top level, where the decisions actually are made, like this one needs a second. It needs a breath. It needs legit analysis. It, now, you, you obviously, in the age of the transfer portal and whatnot, you can't dilly-dally for eternity. But it, it's very possible, like, the season could be over. I mean, setting aside the postseason, you know, whatever the NIT or who knows what has in store. Like, it's very possible the season could be over in a week and a half, save for some postseason stuff. Like, then you, you got to take a breath. And you gotta have you gotta have the big boy big girl talk. And figure out what's what. And then make a move and a decisive one. Because there is no time to wait in the transfer portal era and the declare for the draft era and the NIL era. You can't wait. And that's not saying you need to make a rushed decision. All right. Everybody in, in this whole process, like we know Jim's thought about retirement. All right. We, we know he's thought about it. We know, like, Jerry and Rad, I'm sure both of them have thought about what they do if they're the head coach. Like, I'm sure John Wildack and Kent Siverud have thought about what, what's next after Jim Beheim. Like, you have to have thought about it. It's dereliction of duty otherwise. The Board of Trustees, every single one, you better have thought about it. You all better have thought about what's what's next after the most famous employee, like, in the history of the university. Like, you better have thought about what's next. Of course they have. But, you know, we're going to talk about it today, and if anyone wants to drop their thoughts, the phone lines are open for now at 315-437-7644. But at that level, okay, everyone can think about it. Like, having the talks amongst yourself during the season, I don't think that's very productive just because everyone's in it. Like, at that level, you need a minute. You need a breath. But we're getting very close to that time. There's a game tomorrow night, Georgia Tech. Giving away tickets later in the show today. There is a game on Saturday, Wake Forest, Hack, Jerry, Jersey Retirement. I'm giving away tickets to those. I think on Wednesday is what we're going to do, early ticket giveaway. Play, like, block out your day on Wednesday. Got no show Thursday, maybe no show Friday. I don't want to be left holding the bag with two tickets that I can't give to you. So I, I think we're going to be doing that on, on Wednesday. To not give them away on Wednesday would be showing severe lack of faith in the women's basketball team. Like, that would be, that would be like a Wolfpack-friendly move. And 
I, I don't think this show can stand for that, regardless of how I think the game is going to go on Thursday. I don't think this show could do anything that could be viewed as Wolfpack friendly. So well, we'll do that. And then we get to the end of the year, and it's it's big boy discussion. Like, it's going to be next Wednesday, barring something strange this week, either Tuesday or Wednesday. It, it, Tuesday is not completely, completely ruled out yet, but most likely the Orange are playing next Wednesday. And then, you know, at any point after that, this season could be over. And then, all right. Take like a day or two, and then like all those people, like you got to be in a room or on a Zoom or on something like a discussion one way or the other has to be had for clarity's sake. Just you know, that's a that's a lob it all on the table. Here's what everybody's thinking, and see how the puzzle pieces fit. Kind of discussion. I don't know how many of those have been had in the past or not. I have no idea. You know, Jim Bam said it last week. Sometimes he whole season's going on last year of his contract. But, you know, where was he going? Like what did it matter? It didn't it didn't matter. It just it just happened to be. Well, now we're at the point. Wherever he's in his contract, the whole thing, the hallway walk in talk with Pete Thamel that blew up for a week, followed by a three game losing streak. It's just too many things all happening at once. Not to, you know, everyone take a step back when it's all said and done. Convene, discuss, and decide something. Whatever needs be decided or you want to decide, whatever. But it it is a decision that has to be made, I think, this year actively. For the most part, save for the, the Hopkins years, when there was the coach and waiting thing, and obviously we all know what happened then. For the most part, this decision was made inactively. Like, essentially. Like, Jim Beheim, what, in the mid-late 80s, you know, had a, a brief glance at the NBA? Or what was it, Ohio State or, or something there? But give or take, for the most part, for 47 years, this decision was made passively. Like, Jim Beheim's coming back? Yeah, Jim Beheim's coming back. All right, let's figure out a contract. And then they figured out a contract and everyone moved on. Like it wasn't like big decisions didn't have to be made. This time a decision has to be made. Now the decision could be come back and run it back next year. That's a decision. That's an option. That can be the decision. But this year it needs to be made actively as opposed to passively. And we're we're fast approaching the time where that will come up. With that, we'll take a break. Phone lines open. When we come back, 315-437-7644. We'll either hear from you or from Jim Beheim. We can play back a little bit uh, from his uh, post-game uh, remarks as well. Uh, Red Autry scheduled to join us coming up at 2.30 on the program today. That's the show. Back after this. Glad to have you here on this Monday afternoon all across Central New York. It is the 315 on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Yes, it is. Here we are. Rolled along on this Monday in the Q's, talking Q's hoops. And uh, we will get back to the phones and talk Q's hoops again in uh, just a second. But first... Breaking news in from the Syracuse football program. And can we ne- can we ever break in with the good news about anything? 
Syracuse starting quarterback Garrett Schrader, set to enter his third year as starting quarterback, has had a successful procedure to an injury on his right arm. That is the arm he uses to throw the football in a forwardly direction that will cause him to miss spring practice. Quote, I'm disappointed to miss the rest of spring, but looking forward to rehabbing and getting ready for this upcoming season. End quote, Schrader said. More news and more updates as events warrant. But uh, Garrett Schrader, again, uh, no idea when he got hurt or what is hurt other than that it's in the arm he uses to throw the football, which I have heard. That's the important one, folks. That is the important one. So I'd figure uh, Carlos Del Rio Wilson will be taking uh, reps with the ones in spring ball. And again, uh, it's a new offense. Well, is it a new offense? Is it a new offensive coordinator in Jason Beck? Is it a new offense? You know, maybe same offense with tweaks. Uh, Garrett's brain, presumably, will still working. The mental reps are important. So he can be out there helping coach him up, but uh, hopefully uh, a swift recovery for Garrett and no ill effects when we get toward uh, the summer or camp there, and he's uh, ready to roll uh, when it comes to the opener uh, next year. But that is the uh, football news today. I've not mentioned the Orange football program in a hot minute, and when we do, it is not the most ideal of news. Not the most ideal of news. So hopefully uh, just uh, something minor and uh, Schrader will be okay going forward. But Garrett Schrader has had a surgery of some sort on some part of his right arm. There's a lot of parts to your arm that are involved in the throwing of the football. You got the shoulder uh, and you got the, the elbow, the wrist, you got your fingers. I don't know. They're all in the arm. One of those things. They went in, they fixed one of those things. So I uh, wish them the best for Garrett and hopefully he's uh, good to go. Um, in reasonable time, no setbacks, and uh, the whole thing. But with that, let's uh, get back to the phone lines. Drew has been uh, hanging with us, wants to talk some hoops. Drew, welcome in. What do you got today? Hey, Brian, what's going on? Buddy? How you doing? I'm good. Good. Here's what I'm going to say. We're 25 or what? how many games in were we in? 20-something? Uh, 29 games in. 29 games in. And every time these coaches come on, they say defense, defense, defense. Well, who the hell's coaching the defense? They Do you know are. what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's like, isn't that your job to teach these guys to play defense, to play? Do, do we have the, do we constantly recruit the worst defensive people in the country? Because that seems like what we do is recruit the worst defensive people in the country. And I don't get it. I don't get how it doesn't. This is what I mean about, I'm a little afraid about, um, uh, having another assistant coach take over the team. Well, if it's already this bad, how is it getting better? What what are they doing different that's going to be different than the Hall of Famer? Well, and Drew, I'd say, like, regardless of who takes over next, be it Red, Jerry, or somewhere outside the program, I, I think part of, you know, like what your, your opening statement basically is, is, all right, uh, here's the great history of Syracuse, uh, here's the part we're building on, but here's my twist. Like, you say it out loud uh, for all to hear. Uh, right away, because I think you got to keep the bedrock of it in some ways. You don't want to throw out 50 years uh, with the bathwater. But, uh, yeah, uh, this year's defense has been bad. And my, my my real thought on that, Drew, is, you know, we hear all the assistants say that. I, I think that is their pleasant way of expressing frustration that the stuff they've been trying to do this year isn't working. <laughs> like, that's that's my thought. Like, nobody wa- wants the defense to be this bad. And, uh, Drew, thanks for the call. But, you know, that's I think that's them being nice about the stuff they have attempted to do isn't working. And I do not think it is a constant issue recruiting poor defenders. Like, over the years, 
Now, again, people think, say things have changed recently. Yeah, this year's class has not proven good at defending right out of the gate, for the most part. Judah's leading the leading league in steals, by the way, but you know the other guys. Uh, like Chris Bell, uh, not a plus defender right now. Benny Williams has been all over the map. Justin Taylor, yeah, we get it. But, like, historically, when you think of in the years that Syracuse's zone has worked well, it's with those long, rangy guys at forward. Well, Syracuse specifically recruited those. A lot of times it was recruiting a guy that you knew you could kind of plug and play on defense, and then the offense would develop after that. This year, it's just not worked out that way. Like, it's just not worked out that way for whatever the reason. And then last year was a, a whole different kind of uh, ball of wax, like with, with Cole and Jimmy at, at the forwards. You know, it was just a different thing. You just didn't have as much quickness at, at that position. It was a, a different thing. There was more shooting and less less defense out of that uh, position than in the past. So the, the last two years feel, you know, incongruent to kind of the rest of history. Now, is it a sign that, uh-oh, going forward? Maybe. It may be a sign of, uh-oh, uh, going forward in regards to that. But, you know, the long history of, you know, guys like CJ and Jeremy and, you know, Hakeem Wark, speaking of Hakeem Wark, like it was these long, rangy dudes. And then here we are. All right, uh, with that, we'll take a break. Much more to come after this. We'll be hearing some from some of our friends with ICM Controls coming up in uh, the next hour. They've given away their first $10,000 ICM Controls Impact Scholarship. We can try to sneak in some of your calls maybe before that as well. Much more to come as we roll to hour number two after this. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. All across central New York, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am. Phone lines are open. We have two tickets to the game tomorrow night, and I have one trivia question to ask you. I promise it's not scary either. 315-437-7644 is the number four. ESP at 44. Trivia tickets, game tomorrow. Who wants tickets? 315-437-7644. Trivia tickets, game tomorrow. Until we do that, until somebody decides that they want tickets uh, we're gonna. We may have to go in and out of the rabbit hole today if people call in uh, for the tickets. But uh, I've done some research, and I shall now present it. Once again, Brian goes down a rabbit hole. I'm late. I'm late. It's a very important date. No time to say hello, goodbye. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. This time, I'll just go into the bushes over there. Make a lot of noise and flush out a rabbit. Hello? Hello? It's me, Miss Rabbit. Help! Curiosity often leads to trouble. Oh, 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 oh. Goodbye, Dinah. Goodbye. So down the rabbit hole we go. Again, phone lines open. Uh, trivia for tickets through at 547 uh, 44, but uh, I did some thoughts on the last three games, which the Orange have lost by a combined 57 points. That, I am told, that is not good. Three games uh, by 57 points. And uh, we'll get into that after we uh, go to the phones here to uh, attempt to give away uh, uh, these tickets with our trivia question. Our buddy Tusi in DC is with us. Tusi, hello. Are you ready for some uh, trivia 
for tickets for tomorrow night. Yeah. All right. So the Orange are playing Georgia Tech tomorrow night. We we like to think back to happier and sunny times. The Orange won the national title twenty years ago, and I think the game that kind of opened people's eyes to the max capacity of that team was the Georgia Tech game that year that Syracuse blew them out 92-65. So only a few possible answers to this question, Tusi. Who was the Orange's leading scorer when they beat Georgia Tech 20 years ago? Probably got to be Carmelo. Uh, Carmelo would be a great answer most of the time, Tusi, but it was not Carmelo in this game. Not Carmelo. In this game, thanks for the call to seem back to the phones. Jason in Liverpool. So, Jason, I don't know if you heard the question there. It is uh, 20 years ago in the national title season. The Orange played the opponent tomorrow night, Georgia Tech, and uh, blew them out. Who was Syracuse's leading scorer in that game 20 years ago, Jason? Uh, Jerry McNamara. Jerry McNamara. If it's not Mello, it's got to be Jerry. It was indeed Jerry. He had 25 points in the game in which the Orange hit 10 threes, which at the time was a lot for a team. Uh, Jason, uh, hang on the line. We'll get you those tickets for tomorrow night, okay? Thank you. All right. That is uh, Jason in uh, Liverpool going to the game tomorrow night. A little softball today. A little softball for the people. Like, if you're going to guess, you probably guess Mello first and then Jerry second, right? That is, uh, I might as well just said caller two. But we do a little trivia. Didn't want to make it too tough on it tomorrow night because I wanted to get into this idea of this recent stretch of Syracuse basketball. So three-game losing streak combined 57 points. Obviously, that's not good. Well, let's look back. Let's find another time that's been worse, shall we? Well, last year, they aren't set a three-game losing streak and a four-game losing streak. Okay. This year, they've had three separate three-game losing streaks. Now, going back, end of, or in 2016, that was the post-sanctions year, made the Final Four, we know. Uh, Jim Beheim suspended first nine conference games, which remains an odd time for suspension right in the middle of the year, neither here nor there. Mike Hopkins coached those games. He lost his first straight, three of them by 10 or more. But we're still looking for, you know, a stretch where he lost three in a row by 10 or more. We had to go back. End of the 2015 season is the most recent time the Orange lost three games in a row by 10 or more. Lost to Duke by 19, Virginia by 12 to close the regular season. Those are good teams. And then lost to NC State at the ACC tournament by 14. That combined to 45, so still not as much as the last three games. And remember, by the end of 2015, Syracuse had already announced at that point that they were foregoing postseason play in advance of the presumed sanctions. So it was known... Like late in that year, like Rock and the guys, Rakeem Christmas and the monster year that year, you know, they were battling and battling, but the air came out of the balloon. Extenuating circumstances, I would say, late in 2015. There is only one time in Jim Beheim's career that there has been a three-game losing streak by more combined points than the last three games. It has only happened once. It was the last three regular season games of 2006, go figure. The year that Syracuse then went on the magical run with Jerry and won the Big East Tournament. They lost to Georgetown by 15. It was the epic blowout at DePaul we all would love not to remember by 39 and then lost their regular season finale to Nova by 10. That was Jerry's senior day with the crowd of 33,633. would have been so easy for that to be 33,333. Never mind. That game, those three, which combined to 64 points, is the only time... Under Jim Beheim, the Orange have lost three games in a row by this many points. It just doesn't happen. 
Syracuse losing these many in a row by this many points. It is also the third three-game losing streak this year. The third three-game losing streak this year. The last time that Syracuse had three or more three-plus game losing streaks in a season was not Jim Beheim's most recent year, was not Jim Beheim's first year. It was Roy Danforth's first year as head coach way back in 1968-69. That is the most recent time that Syracuse has had three separate three-game losing streaks in a season. That rabbit hole, like diving into that today, and you know, you all remember the DePaul loss and whatever. So the hope here is, and again, there's no real sense this is coming. The hope here, like the end of this season, is setting up what happened in 06, where they took those three straight losses and then caught fire and rode the Jerry streak and won the Big East tournament. That's the hope. I don't know if we're expecting it, but that's the hope. The other side is, man, when it falls, it, it, this has never happened before. There is no precedent of what has happened this season in the entire history of Jim Beheim's tenure. With that, back to the phones. Vito is with us. Vito in Liverpool. Hello, Vito. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm good. Or, hey, Brian. I'm good. Um, so, you know, so I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here. I've, I've been calling a lot lately. I called the previous show, and I kind of want to expand a little bit on my point about why I think it's time for, you know, Beheim to retire. So, his, I'm hearing from Paulie and Steve, you know, that he wants to leave the program in a better state. I get that. What he's been trying that for three, four, five years, and what what does he have left? Maybe one year. Everybody's saying maybe two. This is and and he's been trying, like I said, for several years. So at this point, it's like okay, we're going to give you another year to fix it. And it's at this point, it's like it's got to be fixed in one year. This is not something that can be fixed in one year, not even two. So. In effect, he's delaying the the rebuild process and the transition to a new coach, whether it be red or whether it be uh, an outside hire. And it's to me that's that speaks selfishness and ego. At, at this point, why does he need to stay to try to fix it when we see that he's not doing it? And you can even make an argument at this point that he's in his worst position of all these past years, these past five, six, seven years to do it. When you consider the fact that I mean the, the consensus what I'm hearing is that Judah's leaving. Um, you don't know if Joe's coming back, Jesse. Benny's gone. Uh, Chris Bell might be gone. I mean, this might be a mass defection, and you're throwing darts in the portal at this point. Yeah, I'll so say, I mean, I'll say, Vito, but all those guys, I got no clue what any of those guys uh, are doing one way or another. They could all be gone. They could all be back. Um, right. But I, I think, Vito, like, you're not wrong, but I, I think, and I said this at the beginning of the show, like, whatever the season is over, I think everyone, you know, at the top just needs to take a breath for like a day or two, but then... Jim, John Wildhack, Kent Siverud, trustees, whatever, like that, this needs to be an actual discussion. I don't know what the answer is, but I think it needs to be like, uh, okay, big boy, big girl, everybody sits down and let's talk it out. Jim, what are your goals? Like, what are you trying to accomplish and figure right. out the best plan going right. forward? Yeah, and it's just, to me, like I said, it's it's not something that can be fixed in a year. So it's, in, in effect, he's just delaying the transition. And I said on the previous show that, I see this wake force and it, it's, this is like, you know, hoping the planets line up right now for me, but the wake forest game to me would be a perfect opportunity for a send off and to, to move in a new direction. The, you know, these, these last blowouts, the Illinois game, uh, losing the Bryant, losing the Colgate twice in a row. Now, um, I, you know, I made the point in the previous show that Vermont beat 
Bryant and they use man to man and I'm not going to make the man to man argument and all that, but it's just losing to these mid majors on a regular basis. Not for me is the biggest blow. And then the second thing is losing the Duke at the last three times we played them on uh, what? 20, 25 and uh, like 22 or something. And the nine and 37 record versus UNC, Virginia and Duke. It's just, all of it is just too much at this point. We're ready. You know, as fans, we're ready. Let's go in the new direction. Another year is pointless. It's, it takes longer than a year to rebuild this thing. Thanks for the time, Brian. Thanks for the call, Vito. And uh, we got to keep it moving here to get to the end of the show. But yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go as strong that way as Vito, but I, I think like they all need to sit down and this is a conversation that actually needs to be had at the end of this season in a way that it has not been had before. Regardless of what happens, the conversation needs to be had. With that, our final break, final wrap. What's on tap when we come back in this hour? Brought to you by William Attar. Hurt in a car? Call William Attar at 444-4444. Back after this, QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.